Hi, welcome to Swancast. Uh, as most of you know, we at Stains Rugby Club are really keen to make rugby a really safe place to be and to look after our teammates with mental health problems. So we've teamed up with Blokes, a great new platform for uh, raising awareness of men's mental health and for people to be able to talk to each other. Please look them up on any great social media. They will be underscore blokes. They're a great organisation. We're really proud to be working with them. Hi, guys. Welcome to this week's Swancast. Uh, I'm proper excited and, to be honest, a little bit nervous today. Uh, I've got a, an international rugby legend joining me, um, Mr. Connor O'Shea. Um, perhaps you could introduce yourself, Connor. I think you've done it there, Nick. It's uh, Connor O'Shea. Um, and it's nice to be able to talk a bit of rugby once in a while. Cool. So, Connor, at, at the moment, you are um, Director of Performance at the RFU. Um, what, what does that actually mean? What, what does Director of Performance Day look like? Um, well, at the moment, a bit like everybody else, a little bit uh, confused in terms of the, uh, the the amount of time in the office, the amount of time away. Yeah, coming back from Italy at the start of the year, uh, you know, January probably only had a couple of months in the job before we went into lockdown. And, um, you know, I suppose the easy way to look in the, the 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 role is Eddie's job is the here and now. It's winning today. It's winning the World Cup in 2023. And from my point of view, uh, having been in the RFU maybe a decade ago for you know nigh on four years, uh, coming back into it, it's if Eddie's for the here and now, we're looking ahead. You know whether it be 2021 is the Women's World Cup in New Zealand, we'll be looking with Nicky Ponce for the 25 and 29 and. Uh, for the men, it's about looking at 27 and 31 because the here and now for Eddie are no World Cup cycles. They go very quickly. And uh, so it's looking from a player perspective, a pathway perspective at the future, uh, from a coaching perspective at succession, uh, from a referee and help support Tony Spreadbury and the work he's doing. And then obviously, you know, medical science innovation um, and just operations and logistics. So it's... Um, yeah, it's looking after all of those, um, drinking lots of coffee and letting lots of other intelligent people do the work. Uh, drinking coffee is always the always the way forward. <laughs> uh, so you, you you mentioned there looking at, at pathways, and pathways is a word we use a, a lot in rugby, um, in sport in general, I guess. What what does that mean um, to you? Uh, it, to, to me, Nick, it's, it's strange because... Um, we could talk about great coaches and officials and pathways, but great players make great coaches. And our job is to, you know, work with the clubs. And the work that's been done over, I think, of the professional game I came to in England in 1996. Uh, I came over here in 1995, but the game went pro in 1996 and how it's evolved and the various different iterations, whether it be the academies being set up, by God rest his soul, by, uh, by David Shaw, uh, the work we did on us, the work that Stuart Lancaster did on it before he took over the England job. Um, a lot of the players you see now are players, uh, you, I always coined the phrase, that you, you reap what you sow. And if you don't take care of the future, and it's a really challenging time at the moment as well, Nick, because developmentally there's a whole group of players who, whether they be schoolboy, and I'm not just schoolboy, schoolgirl, I'm not just talking rugby, and all sports are missing out on a really significant time through coronavirus of their own development, mentally, physically, educationally. So that's a challenge. But 
we have a you know a, a fabulous group of coaches um, at the at the union now, and what we want to do is look not just a succession of coaching, but look and develop relationships with players. Uh, international rugby is different to club rugby or domestic rugby. International sport is always about how people can come out of comfortable environments and go into environments where you're not king of the parish. Uh, where you're mixing and matching different styles, and not some people can be unbelievable club players and not great international players, and vice versa. And giving them that experience within a pathway and being able to identify the people who are able to hop very comfortably between environments, who have the ability to excel, and then giving them the tools which will allow them to become even better. Because I'll try to shut up. Rugby is about the one decision. It's momentum in a match can change and swing. And one decision, one execution under pressure can make the difference within a very top-level match. And it may be a 30-point win looks comfortable, but it may be one or two moments that make that happen. So it's looking and helping players who have natural skills and ability, who have the ability to step out of their comfort zone into international environments, but then also helping them have the tools to make those one or two decisions. If you can make every player make one or two better decisions or executions in a match, that's 30 different actions that are going to go your way. And that makes a significant difference in a match. So it's the same at every level of sport. It's not just, like, you know, you're talking about your coaching that you're doing. It's about making people better. But, from a pathway point of view, both men's, women's, it's about identifying those players who are at the very highest level and, uh, you know, having been fortunate, some people would say unfortunate enough to watch New Zealand, even though it was postponed uh, due to a typhoon and uh, and South Africa up close and personal and the, the levels they got to for the World Cup, the very highest level is brutal. Um, you're a little bit off as Uruguay showed against Fiji. Fiji, a better team than Uruguay, but Fiji were a little bit off on the day and they come they come a cropper. So um, in, in last year's Rugby World Cup, it feels like yesterday. So yeah, that's that's what it's about really. It's, it's about identifying players, giving them experiences, getting relationships and you form bonds at a young age as well. So little pockets of players come through together and they kind of remember little moments in under 18 festivals or matches and they... they the game will never change. Even when they're 18-year-olds 18, 18 or 25-year-olds or 30-year-olds, they'll remember those moments. So is it is it something that... Um, I can't remember where I was going with this now. Never get old. Um, so too many it, concussions in rugby, you see, that's the problem. It, it might be too many concussions in rugby. It might just be that I'm getting old. <laughs> you never <laughs> never know. And we'll never, we'll never find out. So is it is that something that we're doing really well in in England at the moment? I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, I'm I'm interested in the international game, but I'm interested in the yeah. in the less international I, I, game as well. Is it something we do well? No, I think I, I think it is, but it's not something unless you pay it attention. Um, and that's why I said you reap what you sow. Unless you pay it specific attention, uh, then you lose that. And uh, forming bonds and relationships and making uh, you know people appreciate how special it is to pull on an international jersey, not just your club jersey. I mean, whether it be as a, an under 18, an under 20, you know, men's, women's, uh, it's an unbelievable uh, experience. And, you know, I, I didn't get much of a chance. You know, I came back in January and 
uh, only had a couple of games at the under twenties, but uh, the you know and watching Alan Dickens, uh, you know, doing a brilliant job at the time with Alex Codling, who's now at Ealing Trail Finders, and he's, um, he's just over there at the moment, just over there. Well, yeah, you know, they did a great job. But he'll he'll say if you actually talk to him now, um, he'll he'll remember the dressing room in France after the under twenty game. And their frustrations in some of the, you know, release. But that dressing room, that performance that they put in in France was special. But the dressing room was incredible. Now, not all of those players will play international rugby. But they need to know that to play England under 20 international rugby, to have a memory like that is incredibly special. And I've been in a lot of dressing rooms over my lifetime, like we all have. A lot of club international. That was as good a dressing room vibe after a game, after a performance, as I've ever been in. And I stood in that dressing room probably a month or so back. Um, no impact on the team at all, obviously, because I was just a, a watcher. But I went into the dressing room afterwards to say, well done. Um, and it made me realize yet again why I love the game. And that's a, that's a great thing to be able to do. And maybe some of those kids in that dressing room, maybe they didn't realize what they, they had achieved or what they were experiencing that night. Because when you live the moment you maybe don't appreciate it quite as much as when you look back at it, are you you're old like us? Yeah, that's that's true, isn't it? Looking back, you you remember that it hurts and you remember that you're knackered and you but often you don't remember the, the exciting stuff. Um I think that I think ask, that's really ask, cool. Ask Cutters. Ask Cutters after this. Go, go over to him and ask about that dress room. I reckon he he won't be far off saying that's one of his most memorable moments. I'll definitely, I'll, I'll remember that. And yeah, next time I see him, I, I don't think he's just over there today. I think he's, um, I think they've got all got a day off. I know Wardy's in, but um, I don't think uh, t- Tell Ben, I've, I've just missed a call from him, so I'll ring him in a second. And, <laughs> uh, tell, and, Cotters, and Cotters is actually probably just doing a few more lineettes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, please don't tell Wardy that it's my fault you missed a call from him. Um, so how... It, it, it sounds like you've got your finger on the pulse in, in this country. How, how have the pathways been managed in, in other places? Obviously, you've got experience of what Italy was like. Um, yeah, well, well that, that was kind of a big part of my job there was to, you know, Stephen Bood came over uh, to from Ireland who helped set up the academies in Ireland. Uh, he did, and, and he has done an incredible job. If you looked at the Italian on the 20 side, again, their season was cut short uh, uh, last year. I think they beat Wales in the first game. Uh, the Italian under twenties have been in the top. I think they were top eight last year in the World Cup of the Junior World Cup, um, making real progress. And there's some really outstanding young players beginning to come up. And that's credit to Steve Abud and Franco Ascione in uh, in Italy for some of the players that not, they're not going to say that they're going to become world beaters, but you're going to see an unbelievably competitive side. But re-put you so you have to put very conscious effort into that, and that's what Italy have done, knowing it's a long-term process. And there are some really good young players coming through in Italy who have belief that they can beat because they've beaten Scotland, beaten Ireland, beaten France uh, at that level now, uh, beat England under 18 a couple of years ago. So it creates a different belief system within people. And then you've got the very uh, natural systems and aligned systems because you've got the Irish system, which is, you know, you've got the schools into the sub-academies and into the academies within the provinces. So it's a very, very seamless pathway that they have over there so every country is different um and you, you have to recognize that we have our own not challenges but different differences just purely because of the size of england and the number of players and sometimes trying to distill that down to a a a normal number uh is pretty difficult 
Yeah, it must be. It must be. Um, so is, is there stuff that, that you've learned from looking around that you're bringing to the role? And although you've been in, in the post for a year now, it's, it's only been a couple of months in reality. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, because you, you come into anything with both a perception of what's gone on before, a perception of what needs to be done. There's obviously specific challenges over COVID that aren't related to the kind of the job that we all expected to be doing, but uh, such is life. So, um, you know, hopefully just an what do you say? You just hope you bring a, I'm going to say a huge amount of experience, whether it be, you know, my knowledge of the club game in England for 25 odd years as a player, as a coach, as a director of rugby, as a managing director, uh, you know, the salary caps, etc. cetera. Uh, and then my knowledge of what it takes to play and manage at international level. So you'd, you'd like to think there's a balance that I'm able to bring. Um, but then I'm learning a huge amount as well. And I've, I've learned more, uh, you know, about the whole, operation of a stadium and what goes into it and the people at Twickenham what they do is just mind-boggling um, and you don't realize it until you're actually probably forced into it uh, you don't realize what those people are doing the whole time and um, you know I, I think of the work someone like Simon Kemp and his medical team and uh, the the whole return to play protocols that you're going through at, at Ealing and what needs to be done the work that's gone into that um, it's probably taken us away from our day-to-day -day, because it's not what we all expected to be doing and it's certainly not rugby as we know it quite yet but every day we're getting closer aren't we yeah is it is it going to change the, the rugby landscape completely uh, no it, we're, I, I think we're beginning the wheels are beginning to churn now very slowly but surely it's like the the boxer rising off the canvas and it might be a bit groggy but we're beginning to get to our feet that's the first thing we have an end in sight which is good and then it's just making sure the game recovers financially because there's no doubt that it's uh whew, it's a big it's a big financial challenge for the game yeah i mean even at small levels like it's Danes, where where i am is yeah it's it's taken its toll it's taken a massive a massive hit on our business Hopefully, hopefully we won't lose any clubs uh, at our level. Um, yeah, you, you, you hope so, and you hope that the you know return to stage D, as you as you called it there, allows clubhouses to open in a way and start to. It mightn't be matches yet, but at least it's throughput and people are joining rugby, which is actually the biggest thing. It's absolutely, it's all about it's all about what we want to do with our mates on a Saturday afternoon, isn't it? At, at my level, definitely. Um, so I want to move off the pathways just really quickly. Um, I, I'm aware that you're a busy man and we haven't got, we haven't got a lot of time. Um, something that I'm really interested in at the moment is cross-sport learning. Obviously, you've got a history with your dad being a, um, a great game footballer. Um, what, what can we learn as rugby coaches and as a rugby community from the GAA? Ah. Uh. Well, that's very easy <laughs> when you talk about high sk high ball skills. But I think more broadly, Nick, you can learn from anything, and you know that it's a pretty it's, it's an inspirational story. But it's a it's amazing that I'll never Ian McKinley, the young Irish Italian fly half who you know lost sight in one eye uh, with a stray stud and fought back, retired, fought back, and actually you know played for Italy in my time there. And but sitting down with him. 
and listening and he's just started his coaching journey probably a year or two younger than he wanted to but well not started he's re- restarted it um but i remember sat, sitting down with him in italy and listening to him describe rugby but making an analogy to so many different sports and how momentum swings and how you can learn and tactically and i was thinking to myself wow we take for granted you can learn from every single sport whether it's playing watching uh, there may be technical differentials between sports, but actually a lot of the mental, physical, uh, tactical attributes of each sport is something you can learn from. So uh, one of the challenges in Italian sport is they have no sport at schools um, at all. Everything is after-school clubs. So they have a thing called gymnastica uh, in, uh, in schools, but it's not sport. Um, it's just stretching and stuff. It's not even gymnastics. It might sound like gymnastica. It's not. Or gymnastics, it's not. So it's a real challenge um, to give a breadth of knowledge, whereas in the um, in the UK, in Ireland, in Australia, we just grow up playing sport. Um, this is, goes back to the point I made at the start. What COVID has done is, is kind of given us a, a, a developmental gap in our sports learning but for me you can learn in everything so every sport in the uk we grow up uh, and we play football we play uh netball we play rugby league you play cricket you play golf you play tennis you swim um and yes you can learn from other coaches by meeting them but also you can learn just by growing up and watching and playing and understanding and then you can apply it. Uh, you, you you can apply it to, to your own game. I I just listen, uh, my passion is sport. It's not it's not just rugby. It's sport. But I think you can learn from anything. Cool. That's that's excellent. I mean, I'm I'm working on learning from from business at the moment in my leadership as well as in learning from sports. And I'm I'm loving the, the Gaelic stuff that I'm doing at the moment. It's kind of wish it had come into my life earlier. Uh-huh. <laughs> You, you can probably tell from my accent that it's not my not my first game, um, mate. That's that's really cool. Um, I've got a couple of quick fire questions for you. Um, I'd like to limit you to 30, 45 seconds to get an answer in. There's nothing controversial. You don't need to look nervous. It's fine. Is yeah, that right? No, there's, there's a dog just walked into the room, so oh. if he starts barking, let me. I'm trying to. Oh my god. That's cool. That's all right. That's no dramas. Okay. So first question, and some of these have come from, from other people, some of these are from me. Um, if this evening you got a chance to sit down and have a beer with any player that you've coached? Th- this evening. Got to be this evening. This so evening, 45 this seconds? Yeah. Uh, can I say uh, Nick Evans and Sergio Parise? Yeah, you can say two. That's all right. I'll, I'll let you yeah. off. What, and what would they drink? Uh, beer and wine, and you can guess which one to do which. <laughs> yeah, yeah to be fair. <laughs> um, what, what would you drink? Yeah, it depends, maybe both. Irish <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, no, no arguments there. Um, you got a chance to sit down this afternoon, you've got a couple of hours off. There's a rugby match that you're not interested in, and a Gaelic football match that you're not interested in. Which one would you watch? Depends, or really depends, is playing. <laughs> so it's, it's two teams you've never heard of. You've got nothing invested uh, in either. 
uh, whichever I turned on first. Fair enough. Strong, strong answer. I like that. Yeah. Head channel surfing. You know, you know, channel. No, it's you know, channel surfing. It's only channel surfing. <laughs> um, oh, this is an interesting one. Um, thinking about the Lions, obviously next year it's probably too close now, but who would be your starting 15? So not the starting fullback, but the starting 15 in the first test in 2025. I'll give oh, you longer start, than... Uh, 45. That is just an impossible... Not, so I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold you to 45 seconds for that. No, one. but it's not, <laughs> you, but you can't, you can't even think because it, I, I'm thinking after, after cough and then you just forget a whole <laughs> group of players that you, you go, Oh, sure. Should have been him. Should have been him. Uh, I wouldn't even get into it. my starting fifteen. Probably Stuart Hogg at the moment, but other than that, <laughs> we'll we'll leave it. I don't want to because you end up you end up picking a player and then uh, you go, God, retrospectively, I forgot about A, B, and C. That's not one to you need pre pre warning, forewarning, and a question like that. Uh, okay, now I'll, I'll let you off that one. Now that was maybe that was a bit unkind. Um, what would be your three tips to coaches? Coaches starting off their journey. Uh, be yourself and that would be my biggest tip of all so you never stop learning don't think you know it all yourself and be yourself cool what about to young players um, don't be afraid to work hard uh, because when young players sometimes they think it's if you're too too cool for school and you have to be one of the rest so don't be afraid to stick out from the from the crowd Um Work unbelievably hard on your basics because simple things done well in rugby is all that matters. And understand your strengths and play to those strengths. Don't try again, don't try and be someone you're not. So if you've got a strength that's got you to a certain place, use that strength. Yes, by all means you work on your weaknesses, but don't forget your strengths. That's a that's a really cool one. Um, and last one, again, slightly controversial. I Listen to your podcasts with Eddie during the during the summer, and I know you talked about this one. Um, I, I was inspired when I watched the the Rock Gate because clearly there was a lot of imagination had gone into that that England Italy game. Um, on a scale of one to ten, how excited were you when James Haskell and Dylan Hartley approached Roman Watt and said, "What do we do?" That was just funny, to be honest, and we had a lot of fun that week uh, preparing. Uh, preparing for the match, and I, but again, uh, forgetting about the ruck game. I think one of the one of the points we try to make because uh, Italian rugby is about changing mindsets, and just what we did that day uh, was an example of if you do things differently, you can get different results. Now we ultimately England did run away. I think at seventeen fifteen we gave away a silly penalty off a of scrum. They kicked it into the corner. I remember Danny Kerr tapping and going. I've never seen any of that for six years at Quinns. Um, but uh, it was the principle of how we went to Twickenham and competed by doing things differently. And that doesn't mean rook gates. That could mean your conditioning, your preparation. Uh, it, it could be a multitude of different things. So do things differently. You can get different results. So that that whole experiment experiment's probably not the right word, but that whole week, that preparation, that was about about proving a point to the Italian Federation, or was it about beating England? No, it was about beating England that day. It was about not going in front of a team after losing heavily at home to Ireland and saying we're going to do the same thing. We're going to go to Twickenham and we're going to win. You have to give people a plan that they can actually buy into, as opposed to the same old, same old. 
but it was also saying to people do things differently because you have to you know there are a multitude of different challenges and we never said going to Italy certainly the it was about building structures and building a different belief system from a system that was fairly broken uh, but they've got the ability and they've got the talent and they've got the 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 rugby players but you still have to have a different mindset um and that was just an example of what a different mindset can be you'll see the dog walking along behind me now perfect timing ah, perfect <laughs> <laughs> mate that's that's excellent i mean how what a great spot to to leave it on you got to you can't can't do the same stuff and expect different results every time i'm, I'm loving the dog he's going to climb on you now uh, he is got a star of the show aren't you Absolutely. Yeah. What, what's his name? So a lot of a lot of people do, a lot of people don't call him a dog. So a lot of people <laughs> don't think he's not a dog, but we 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 believe he is. Definitely. Rolo, because Rolo. I like my chocolate. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's got to be a good thing. Okay. Excellent, mate. So um, thank you ever so much for your time, Connor. Ever such a no, busy man, pleasure, I know. Nick. And I bet uh, it's great. I'll bring, I'll bring Wardy back now. I'll bring yeah, Wardy back yeah. and blame you. Please, please don't blame me. Don't tell him it was me. <laughs> Um, and and I want to extend a, an invitation if ever you want to, to get away from it and, and turn up at Staines and watch a game then you'd be more than welcome you know you could probably even find a way into the coaching team if you if you fancied it one day but um, it would just be good to be watching rugby again won't it won't it just mate thanks ever so much for your time um, to everybody else great great session I'm still trying to sort out the guy to come on and do the the podcast about beards um, hopefully we'll get that done, but we're we're looking at possibly talking a little bit more about our mental wellness again next week. So tune in then. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Connor.